there I was in a Kia sedan, following a bike as he rode through inner streets in Lagos. It was some minutes after 11 p.m. and I had absolutely no idea where I was or even where I was headed. All I knew was that the gangster who was riding that bike he was hopefully taking me to a spot where I could interview his fellow members for a documentary I was making. What? Yep. Um, <laughs> oh, wow, we've started recording. <laughs> I didn't know that. Okay. Well, hi, fellow Etlins. Hello. I was just telling Mohinite a story about my previous life. You know, prior to studying for an MSc in AI, I worked as an investigative journalist across Africa. And I hold a master's in physics and I have lived in India where I worked with image preservation and reconstruction. Which is why you must believe us when we say there's place for you in AI. Mm-hmm. No matter who you are, where you live or what expertise you have right now, you get to decide how you contribute to the development, use, governance and more of artificial intelligence. You are listening to You and AI, a four-episode podcast to help with understanding artificial intelligence, how you affect it, and how it affects you. You and AI. You and AI. You and AI. You and AI. AI. And I'm Esai Humu, and we are your hosts. So far, we have understood what AI is, what it can be used for, and what can go wrong. On this last episode, we will delve into just where you might fit in this brave new world. To help with suggestion on how to do this, allow us to introduce you to our last guest on you and AI, Amy Bilton. Amy heads business engagement and enterprises at the University of Hull's Data Science, AI, and Modeling Center. And she has had the most fascinating portfolio career. Um, yeah, well, it's been very, very varied. Uh, I, I find it always find it very interesting that I ended up in this, this position working in data science and artificial intelligence. Uh, and I guess I should set expectations with your listeners that I am not a technical expert in any of these fields. So I have not programmed anything in my life. Uh, so both of you are a lot more experienced in, in those regards than me. Um, I do have a background in uh, science, though. So um, my, my undergraduate degree was in biology. Um, particularly uh, plant biology. So I I was working in that and then I went into agriculture as well. I was working on a a research project at Newcastle University in in that field. Um, And then I went into market research. Uh, And then since that time, I've been doing essentially my current job, which is uh, business engagement uh, and enterprise uh, in in universities and and research organisations. So Essentially, what I'm doing is is helping to connect um, businesses and other external organisations with the expertise that exists within universities. Um, so it's it, it's very varied. It can be in lots of uh, different domains. Um, I was at City University of London for for a couple of years, and and there I was working with uh, structural engineers. I was working with people in uh, user experience, user design, and then for well, the last five years, essentially, before I came to the University of Hull, I, I was working abroad in Switzerland at um, at CERN, uh, which is home of the famous Large Hadron Collider. Uh, so it's a, a particle physics uh, facility, essentially. 
they found the the Higgs boson um, in 2012 at, at that facility. So it's a huge international collaboration of, of many thousands of sciences, uh, scientists collaborating get together across nations. It's a, a really sort of inspirational place to be. Um, and I was doing knowledge exchange there and knowledge transfer. So, but yeah, it was a fascinating place to be. And then I, I came back to, to Hull after that time because I'm originally from this area and I did something completely different. Um, I did a master's degree in creative writing, as you do, particle physics to creative writing. It's the obvious leap, uh, I think. Um, and so I worked on uh, writing short stories and uh, wrote a chapter of a novel and I did a, a poetry collection that was linked to science poetry, essentially. Uh, and then that that came to an end and, and I was looking to get back into science and, and I was very fortunate that around the same time when my master's degree was finishing, uh, the University of Hull was launching this, this new centre of excellence uh, in data science, AI and modelling. Uh, and they were looking for a, a business engagement person to, to work on that, to see how we could take the, the teaching, the research that was happening within that centre and and make it relevant uh, to to businesses. So so that's where I am now. Uh, that was uh, hopefully a a brief, uh, <laughs> interesting summary of, of of where I've come from. Whoa! And that portfolio career makes you the perfect person to talk about this with. So start off, Amy. Who do you think can participate in AI building? Well, I think you already said it actually in your introduction to the podcast. I, I do really believe it is everyone. Um, and and I think it's really important that everyone gets involved as well in, in, in building AI technologies because it is a technology that, that is right now transforming the world and will continue to transform the world. So um, I think it's important that if even if people aren't involved from the sort of very technical side, the programming side of things that 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 they get a, at least a basic understanding of, of what these technologies are and, and, and how they're impacting things. Um, and I should say that actually most of us are already involved in AI building uh, because we're participating um, in the technologies that already exist. Um, so we are all data generators. We're all data consumers. We agree. AI is for everyone. So we thought we'd do something different on this episode. Here, we're just going to let regular people from around the world ask the questions. And Mohinit and I will just try to help Amy answer some of them. First up is Deepshika. Hi, I'm Deepshika and I'm living in Japan and doing my PhD in astrophysics from here. So I have been using many AI tools in my research and I actually wanted to know if there are any opportunities that exist in AI for those in areas of academia or research like me. Oh, absolutely. There's there's huge amounts of opportunities in academia, and and I think particularly we're seeing this through the the funding as well that that's coming through. So there's a lot of funding available for AI applications in particular, and I think it's because essentially it is applicable across all domains. So any domain, uh, any sector within academia that that involves data or that touches data in some way can use AI and that that is everything really so 
there are loads of opportunities, not just within traditional uh, STEM subjects like the computer science or physics or maths, where you might expect uh, more sort of data science and AI research to take place, but actually in loads of, of different fields. Um, so, for example, in, in health, there's a lot of um, uh, academia opportunities and research happening in the use of AI for diagnosis uh, and treatment. So, for example, diagnosis um, using AI to look at images, for example, of chest x-rays to see if you can um, determine particular conditions, for example, with the lungs um, and on also treatments. So using AI in systems such as radiation therapy uh, to see if you can better target uh, radiation therapy for treatment of, of, of cancers. So that's another it's a big area uh, that's happening in, in research as well. Um, and that sort of cross-disciplinary application of AI is particularly important for us at the University of Hull um, and in DAME, which is which is our centre of excellence. Um, we have people working in all different domains. So we have people from physics, uh, working cosmology, astronomy, um, mathematics, biology, health. Um, and we're also going to do more recruitment this year as well for, for people, for lecturers, teaching fellows from other um, subject areas as well. So it's it's really broad and and actually I think that's really important to having that interdisciplinary side of things as well because sometimes you might have somebody that's working for example on a physics problem in academia that actually is similar to a problem that might be in health for example it's a different domain but actually the the techniques that is developed in one domain could be very applicable to the other uh, so having uh, the ability or having an environment like we do at Hull where academics from these different disciplines can interact and talk, um, I think is really key to, to creating new innovations um, in these areas. Um, there's actually also a lot of research into the sort of ethics side of, of AI. So, you know, how do we use AI safely and responsibly? I think that's a, a, a big research area. Um, and also, you know, thinking about how we manage the sort of future social changes uh, that might come across uh, with 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 um, AI. So how is it going to impact society, jobs, for example? There's a lot of research into the, the, the social and societal impacts of AI, just, you know, even beyond the, the technical application of it itself. Um, so, yeah, so I'd say, again, no matter which technical area or academic domain that you're in, uh, there's there's loads of applications of these technologies and, and um, ways to get involved with it. There are some specific examples here in the UK. For instance, the National Institute for Health and Care Research, which has funding streams for health research involving artificial intelligence. Yep, that's right. And I know the Alan Turing Institute also funds intersectional research on AI and the environment agriculture and governmental resilience. So this next question was asked by Ira, who's Filipino-Japanese. She's speaking Talago, so we'll be translating. I don't yet have a business, but I'm thinking of starting one, an AI business. How do I go about that? Oh, um... I would say if anyone is setting up a, a business in these areas, I would I would start with an area that you're individually passionate about or you're 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 very you know interested in or have some expertise in, because really you know AI can be applied for any anything. Uh, there's there's opportunities in in any business uh, domain really. So I would say it's it's probably about finding an area that you're really interested in and and seeing 
is there a, a gap within the market um, by which you could offer something that operates, yes, more efficiently or gives uh, consumers, or the customers a better experience uh, or otherwise that you're not seeing that competitors are doing. Mm. Um, so if, if, if you see that there's, there's some industries that you can really make a difference and, and, and get a head start by applying these, these techniques, um, then, then that's that's fantastic. But at the heart of it, I think it should be something that that you, as an individual, really care about. Because um, I mean, I've never set up a business myself, uh, so I, I can't say you know I have, have personal experience. But certainly from entrepreneurs that I, I, I've spoken with, it, it's really you know it's all consuming really when you start and you set up a business, and there's a lot of hours and work and and commitment and effort um, that, that has to go into setting up a business and, and you know, the, the sort of startup phase can can last for years. So you have to be, you know, sure that this is an area that, that you're you're very interested in and, and keen on. Um, otherwise, it, it it's not going to work. Um, so I, I would say that start with something that you're interested in and see where that gap is uh, in the market and, and what sort of what unique um, element you can bring to it uh, through the application of data science and, and AI. When you find your business niche, you can then brainstorm how AI might help. There are a lot of tools available around that you can just plug in and you don't have to start from the beginning. Amazon Web Services has a number of them, like Osato, the text-to-speech engine that has featured on episodes of this podcast. Hugging Face is another place where you might find some solutions. OpenAI has chat GPT APIs as well, or you could just build some from scratch by yourself or partner with a technical co-founder. Mm -hmm. Whatever you choose to do though, the premise is the same as with all other businesses. Identify a strong need, come up with a solution, in this case, an AI powered solution, establish that there is a market for your solution and figure out a business model, then get started. This is Amrinder from India. I want a job related in some way to AI. I really want to get into the space, but I don't know how to code or have an interest in learning maths. What opportunities exist in AI for non-computing professionals? Oh, a career in artificial intelligence is not just limited to those with experience or an interest in technical computing fields. Journalists can work in AI as well. Yep, they can. So can filmmakers, physicists, PR professionals, chemists, everyone actually. AI companies, like every other business, still need other type of employers. Essentially, because AI can apply to all different fields, yeah. uh, there's lots of opportunities for people uh, from, from different backgrounds. And, and that wouldn't necessarily have to be um, in actually doing the programming yourself. Um, it could be just through <clears throat> collaborating with people that do. Um, so if you collaborate with, with with data scientists and AI practitioners to to get the best out of your data, and that can be in any field. Um, so it could be in, in the arts, it could be in, in journalism, for example, in, in anything. It's definitely not just for people that come from those traditional computing um, professions. Um, you can, can be using it in lots of different fields. Uh, and uh, we, I was in a, a talk earlier this week actually and one of our students was saying that he was really interested in using data science and AI in marketing 
because his background is in that field. Um, and, you know, absolutely, that is a huge area where because marketing is all about understanding consumers um, and how they how they use services, how they use products. Um, then that is a, a field that, although it isn't necessarily coming from sort of traditional STEM um, background, is, is still very much benefiting from the use of um, AI uh, and data science. So, so you don't have to be a programmer to get involved. Um, of course, if, if you'd like to have a career in this field, then um, you can take a course. Yeah, so I'd say approach your career prospects like a Venn diagram. In one circle is your current expertise. In the other circle is AI. There's a point of intersection you can explore. It exists, find it, and thrive. Of course, it will require you to learn relevant context about the artificial intelligence field, though. But I think the next few questions might provide insights into ways one might go about learning the aforementioned context and relevant skills. Hi, I'm Angel. I'm having a little bit of a dilemma at the moment. Um, right now, I'm currently a student in the UK and I'm studying biomedical science and I will be graduating with a Bachelor's of Science in this degree. Um, but I'm really trying to have a career change and I would really like to move towards doing a Master's in Artificial Intelligence, but I have no computer skills or background. And I was just wondering if you're aware of any scholarships or grants or any help I can acquire while trying to pursue that. The one that we have at Hull, which is through the Office for Students. Uh, so the Office for Students is uh, essentially, it's an independent body uh, that acts as a, a regulator in higher education. And, and um, they have um, distributed funding for scholarships, uh, particularly uh, for people that come from more underrepresented groups within data science and AI. Uh, so that funding is uh, particularly prioritised for women, for example, that are very underrepresented in the in the in AI and data science relative to the proportion of women that there are in, in the population. Um, uh, black students, uh, disabled students, students with disabilities, um, and students from um, poorer backgrounds as well, so um, that, that might not have had the same experiences or opportunities to get into these fields. Um, so these scholarships are particularly directed towards uh, these students and it provides them with uh, £10,000 towards their uh, postgraduate study, so their master's course. Um, so we offered those um, for the last few years at Hull, um, and that's been really helpful um, to, to get uh, a more diverse uh, community of, of students on that course, which is incredibly important. So yeah, so there are scholarships for those uh, on those basis. Um, I, I believe there's scholarship scholarships in other areas as well. Um, I received one of the Office for Students scholarships here at Kew University. Very many UK institutions offer this as well, including the University of Kew. Students living with disability who are black or who identify as female, amongst other criteria, are especially encouraged to apply. Other scholarships exist outside of those offered by Ofsted. There's the Fear International Scholarship in Artificial Intelligence, which is for MPhil or PhD at the University of Warwick. DeepMind offers MSc scholarships in a wide variety of courses, which scales the whole of computational field. 
I especially like this because they partner with a wide swath of institutions, including those in Africa and Europe. Intel, Microsoft, and others offer scholarships as well. Hi, I'm Raven, and I live in the province of Quebec in Canada. Now, no tea, no shade, no pink lemonade to y'all who are studying or working for universities, but I really would rather not do all of that. Are there any effective short courses available online instead? A text-to-speech voice from Amazon Polly, who we have heard from in previous episodes, will help us out with some examples of good online courses. Won't you, Osato? Yes, Mohinit. Two online courses come to mind. AI for Everyone. A course created by AI expert Andrew Ong. And offered on Coursera. And Elements of AI, offered in Google's Digital Garage and created by the University of Helsinki. The first may require a Coursera subscription, but the second is completely free. Paul, as a black woman in AI, I am a member of two groups I really like, called Women in AI and Black in AI. Like Amy says, if you search on socials, you'll surely find like-minded groups and a community. And you know what? If you don't, then you have the opportunity to start one yourself. Okay, so our next question is from... This is Milton from Miranda. And I have one word for you. Books! <laughs> yes, books. What should I be reading right now? What are some of your favorite AI books? Yo, all I do is read books. So I can definitely help with this one. <clears throat> you must absolutely, without fail or delay, immediately, immediately read AI 2041 by Kai Fuli and Chekwe Fan. I read that book and decided to study for an MSc in AI. No jokes. It's fun, accessible, and useful. AI 2041. You absolutely have to read it. All right. Next up is AI Superpowers. Also, by Kai Fuli. It talks about the global race for AI, quote unquote, domination, especially between the US and China. But towards the end of it, it becomes quite sobering and makes very, very valid points about sustainability, job loss, and all of that. So you should really check it out. And the last one I'll talk about, and although this book isn't entirely about AI, I find it very useful and instructive and we read it often actually, is by Microsoft CEO Satya Nadella. It's called Hit Refresh. It's very instructive as it offers insight into how the company that is mainly leading the charge on mainstream integration of generative AI, worldwide software, has been thinking about AI for years. I have been reading a book recently called Can We Trust AI? It's by Ramalingam and it came out in the year 2022. I saw the book when she was reading it and she basically highlighted almost every sentence. So it's probably really good and I'm definitely going to check it out. You should as well. Moini gives the best book plugs, by the way. Hey guys, this is Sneha from India. I really like watching movies and not just for fun, but also because I get to learn so much from them. So do you have any AI movies that we all should be watching right now? Um, well, I think actually you mentioned DeepMind there. Um, it's not a, a fictional movie, but uh, they had a, a fantastic documentary oh, uh, really? and you can access it on, on, on YouTube, I think, uh, which was about uh, how they developed AlphaGo. 
uh, and uh, the the, um, the 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 match uh, that was between them and and the world champion of of Go. Um, so so you can go on on YouTube. You can find it. I assume it's on their website as well. Um, and that was uh, an award winning documentary, and that was fascinating. I, I really really highly recommend anybody to watch that. Um, just in terms of understanding really the the potential of, of AI uh, and and I think what was fantastic about that documentary as well was how moving it was um, so it, it was essentially about this 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 program but there was a lot of humanity within it as well it was sort of asking us to to question where AI fits uh, within within this world um, and so I, I I thought it was a fantastic uh, documentary there um a sort of i don't know if it's bleak <laughs> um or not but uh, I, I always enjoyed uh, watching westworld um i, I know that's um, <laughs> it, its first season was a lot more popular than the the other ones but i think actually that was a really great show just to sort of muse over the sort of philosophical uh perspectives of of ai and i, I guess that's focusing more on general ai um so you know when when AI will be able to do many, many more functions uh, in, in an intelligent way, more like a human than the sort of more narrow AI that we have now that tends to be focused on um, working on one particular task. Um, but th I think that series really makes you sort of question uh, the, the the nature of AI and what it is to be human and stuff. So that that one, uh, I, you know, I know people have mixed opinions on it, but I, I always uh, really liked <laughs> la that one. Um, I personally think you should definitely only read books. But if you absolutely had to force me to pick one movie, it would be a documentary. It's called Singularity or Bust. It was made in 2012 and it's about two AI scientists who agree that a technological singularity is coming, but one believes it's a good thing while the other believes it to be a bad thing. Another movie is Short Circuit 2. It's a really old movie. It's a 1988 movie. So it has a robot called Johnny and we reviewed it for one of our modules last semester. And Mohinit fell in love. I did. <laughs> then there's Wall-E, which is a great watch. I mean, who doesn't love a Disney Pixar movie? You should also see Her, a movie about a person developing feelings for an AI personal assistant. iRobot is another good one. It is centered around the three laws of robotics developed in 1942 by Isaac Asimov. Asimov is the author of one of the books SI recommended while answering the previous question. Also, Will Smith stars in iRobot. So, Yay. Thanks, Osato. And thank you, everyone, for the questions. Hopefully you found ours and Amy's answer useful. Mm -hmm. So, Amy, before we let you go, give us gist now. What are you doing next week? Um, gosh, uh, there's this... Oh, I'm trying to think. There's lots of things already in my diary, although I can't think of a specific thing right now. To be honest, I'd say that every day, what I really like about the job that I'm doing is that every day I'm doing something different and I'm speaking with somebody different. So whether that be somebody within 
academe itself, so an academic that's working in a different field and I, I find out more about the research that they're doing, or I'm working with a company, I'm speaking with the company, I'm finding all about what, what they're doing. Um, so that's always uh, really, really interesting. Um, and then, yeah, you know, from from a personal perspective, meeting up with with friends and, and catching up, I'm, I'm meeting with somebody I haven't seen for a while that I did my uh, master's degree with, so that that's going to be great um, to, to catch up and, and find out what she's doing. Uh, and yeah. Oh, that sounds like fun. So when do we get to hang out with you? Do you want to do something next weekend? I could. Yeah, absolutely. I'd love to. We will just wrap up the show now and call you right back to set up the hangout. Okay? Absolutely. So SI, four episodes just flew by. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Together we learned about what artificial intelligence is, its history, definitions, use cases, challenges and opportunities. We cannot thank you enough for sticking with us. Mm-hmm. Throughout this show, you have heard from respondents and experts across four continents. Europe, Africa, Asia and North America. We're very pleased about that. It achieved our aim of widespread representation on this podcast across gender, age, ethnicity, religion, language, political leaning, fields of study, geographical locations, <gasps> and more. Diversity matters. So thank you to all of our respondents. And thank you to Osato, Daniel Akin Busui, Toda Beyemi, Professor Eddie Quincy, and our four expert guests, Priscilla Mbai, Dr. Chandra Shekhar, Dr. Marco Ortlani, and Amy Bilton. You and AI was made as coursework for one of our modules. You and AI was made as coursework for one of our modules. Hopefully we'll get an A. Mm-hmm. Connect with me, Muhineet Kaur and Asayomu on LinkedIn. And we will let you know what grade did we get. <laughs> so you can find our LinkedIn URLs as well as more information about the podcast on the website unai.org. Mm-hmm. So Muhineet is done plugging us now. And we hope to see new connections from you. Oh no, I can't believe it's the fourth and final episode already. <laughs> I have tears in my eyes, Mohinit. You can see You can see it, right? I can't I'm see the <laughs> Alright, so I'm going to leave you with a song that cheers me up when I have to say goodbye. It's an Edo song. I can't remember who the musician is, but I sing it all the time. Don't laugh at me. I have a horrible voice. Tanka driver sume iviedo niye umamu me yo we me kya iviedo niye driver mume mume iviedo umamu me yo we me kya iviedo. It's your turn. I'm just gonna say, kabi elvedana kena. Okay. <laughs> I'm Esai Humu. And I'm Winit Kaur. And we're signing off on the last episode of our podcast, You and AI. We are off to hang out with Amy. Bye. Stay curious. You and AI. You and AI. You and AI. You and AI.